The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. Steve Austin is back. The Steve Austin Show is back and better than ever with new exciting episodes featuring tales from his new life, unbelievable past adventures, and talks with his pro wrestling pals. You name it, Steve's on it. Download new episodes of The Steve Austin Show every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. 60 seconds. That's exactly how long this commercial lasts. You know what else you can do in about a minute? Get an offer for your car from True Car. That's right, in the amount of time it takes to floss your teeth, pet your dog, do a few sit-ups, or just listen to my voice, you can get a True Cash offer. Best of all, you can do it from your smartphone or at home. Just go to True Car and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Answer a few questions and you'll get an accurate True Cash offer from a local True Car certified dealer. It's that easy. After that, you can bring your car in and they'll check it out with you together. You can ask questions and get the answers you need so there's no surprises. Then simply leave with your check or trade in your car for a new ride. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. Welcome into the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo is here with special guest Mike Renner. Welcome back, Mike. What's happening, man? Good to be back. Did you say Steve Palazzolo is here in like the third person? Yeah. Should I redo that? No, that's fine. You could just keep going. God, I still suck at openings. That's pretty classic you, though, to introduce yourself in third person. The, the senior analyst, the Steve Palazzolo here <laughs> with special guest Mike Renner. So uh, where you been the last month or so? I've been all over the United States. I actually drove from Nevada to here last week. Really? Which took forever. I it feels like a it. podcast in itself. Yeah. Uh, saw a lot of the United States that I hadn't seen before and probably will never see again. So Wyoming's pretty long and pretty uneventful. You went through Wyoming? Yeah, the entire state of Wyoming. Drove across. Oh, that sounds terrible. Yeah. I have no problem trashing Wyoming because I am pretty sure we do not have <laughs> more than six people from Wyoming listening. I mean, there's no reason to trash it. It's not like necessarily inherently bad there's just nothing there. there's just nothing i heard there's like two highways right and it's just, just yep. like a literal straight, straight line you got to get across as fast as possible what'd you do to catch up on podcast you know what no not really I listen to a lot of music a lot of music mm-hmm. interesting well it's good to have you back um sam monson's on vacation so mm-hmm. you're replacing him right now uh, we might have a very special guest next week 
We'll see. We'll just tease it. Special guest next week. Um, But we're also going to try to, you know, sneak you in here doing a little bit more draft stuff because you're you're on to 2020. Yep. Right. So uh, later in the pod, we'll go through receivers. Mm -hmm. We'll go through this receiver class, which could potentially be special. And, you know, you're our special guest today. At least you're my special guest. And PFF was Peter King's special guest this week on Football Morning in America. That's his uh, new column for this last year over at NBCSports.com, over at Pro Football Talk. And we wrote the whole column, Mike. It was, uh, you had a piece, I had a piece. I thought it was, um, it was great for us because Peter came and said, hey, I'll give you eight to ten you know, mm-hmm. sections. You guys fill them up and uh, write about some interesting stuff. And uh, we had some fun with it, taking over uh, Football Morning in America. Yeah, I got to give my draft takes on a bigger stage. That's always fun. I always yeah. love to get my draft takes out there. You so, love that. Uh, yeah, Peter's really nice, always been very nice to us. So it was, uh, go over there and read it if you haven't, but we're going to break down some of it here. Let's go, let's go through it really quick. I thought there were some interesting things because I didn't know what other people were going to write. Um, I was charged with saying, you know, here's how PFF teams are already using PFF data and how they should be in the future. We could talk about that in a minute. Um, but the big boss, Chris Collinsworth, kicked it off and discussed how data is impacting the landscape of football and you know we hear him hear him around the office quite a bit talking about yeah when i played you know this and i've seen things change and you know a lot of the stuff that he said are things that he'll you know say around here Um, but it was good i think to get his perspective out on the national stage at all because he's kind of seen pff evolve where he bought it we were already somewhat established, and then he got to like see the interactions that we have with teams, with different companies and stuff like that, and um, he's just kind of watched uh, the growth over the years. Yeah. I mean, I was remarking this past week, we had actually uh, a party, a PFF party with all the different people, and people I had just some people, to be honest, I hadn't even seen before, who we just hired at this company. We hired I, a lot while you were we gone. We hired a lot of people month. that I don't even know at this point. But Special thanks to Neil Hornsby, by the way. That when I got hired... Uh, there was fewer than 10 people just total. That was full-time yeah. and part-time. Now we have you know multiple hundreds of part-time people, uh, almost 100 full-time people now at this point uh, on staff and just how far it's come and how, like back in the day, I used to get excited when a newspaper quoted a stat of ours. Right. And now it's like... That, I, you just expect them to quote right. the stats of ours. That is kind of uh, the growth that we've seen. And uh, Chris has been here since 2014. And, uh, yeah, we've, uh, we were on our way to growing, but we've, mm-hmm. we've grown a lot more, I think, since, since he took over. Our, our guys. And I do think he legitimized it in a big oh, way. Oh, did. In terms of oh, this is a football guy to his core. Now a lot of people you know, in this generation don't realize he was you know, a Pro Bowl receiver back, way back when. I mean, I didn't even see him play, to be honest. And growing up, I didn't realize he was even like, a wide receiver in the NFL before he was an announcer. Uh, and so he was a football guy through and through, though and is adopting this into you know his vernacular, into the way he watches the game. You're like the guy that thinks that George Foreman is famous for a grill. Grills, yeah. No, yeah, that too. Yeah. I, didn't, I actually thought there were two different guys growing up when I read about the boxer and the grill guy. See, and then I'm there like, you go. And there was like a point where that meshed. I'm like, oh, that's the same guy? Well, that's the grill guy. He exactly. used to uh, punch people, and he was pretty good at it. <laughs> yeah. That's what people think of Chris right now. He's the Sunday Night Football guy. Oh, mm-hmm. by the way, he was... Uh, a lanky receiver with speed. He likes to remind us that he was really fast. fast. You know, he's not just a big possession receiver. He had some speed. Um, Our guy, Sam, uh, who is on vacation, you know, shout out to Sam. I know you're listening. He highlighted a few guys that had graded well and could end up on the PFF 50 next year. 
I thought the name O.J. Howard from the Bucks was the interesting one yes. because in such a small sample size, he's proven to be that guy who can make great catches down the seam. We always liked his run blocking coming out of Alabama. He struggled a little bit in a rookie in our system because he fumbled three or four times on less than 30 catches and yeah. run blocking wasn't up to par yet, but he had such a good year last year. He did, and I think he is a perfect fit for Bruce Arians attacking the scene. Sure. He is that yep. type of receiver. His speed, uh, I've said it a lot in the pre-draft process, but the one thing, uh, well, the, probably the biggest thing I look for in tight ends is just speed. If you have a guy who runs a 4-5 or five at tight end, you can just do things with that, like attacking the seams, attacking down the field. But the guy with a 4-8, you're not going to worry a safety running straight at him. A lot of tight ends aren't. O.J. Howard, though, legitimately has that. I think he's going to be in for a big, big year in that Bruce Arians offense. And it's kind of just been opportunities. He's just not really been on the field enough over the first two years to put up those big numbers. But if he was, you know, his yards per route has always been fantastic, even as a rookie. Yeah, and you see the other weapons that they have there. I think the Bucks have just done a really good job of having, you know, they lose Deshaun Jackson, but you've got Chris Godwin, you've got Mike Evans, mm-hmm. Cameron Brait, you've got all these different style playmakers on that team. Um, so even with Adam Humphreys moving on too, but they, they've done a nice job of having yes. a lot of weapons. And I think actually the other interesting name that Sam had on this, guys who could make the 50 next year, is also on the Bucks since the first rounder from last year, Vita Vey. He was kind of swept under the rug because the Bucks were out of it, and he didn't start off. He started off, you know, he was unhealthy towards the beginning of the season, only started coming on down the stretch, but his play, you know, over the last handful of games of the season was legitimately as good as we saw from any rookie defensive lineman a season ago uh he had a ton of pressures let me see 23 pressures uh over the last half of the season uh he was legitimately had some games where he took over from a pass rushing and run defense perspective was the player we thought coming out and he was criticized a lot for the pick we criticized it saying you know a no tackle that high he better be playing a ton of snaps and he was and he was productive on them so i think that pick uh maybe you know it's not going to be Derwin James, but I think he's still going to be a darn good player. Yeah, we said if, if you're going to take a nose tackle that high, he'd better be able to rush the passer. But if there's a guy that can rush the passer compared to mm-hmm. previous nose tackles, Vita Vea is up there, just like we said, Dexter Lawrence uh, of the Giants this year. Similar. I, I, I like weighing the Danny Shelton, Vita Vea, Dexter Lawrence development, those 340-plus yes. nose tackles. But Vita looked good uh, down the stretch as a rookie, as you said. Uh, we get to your section, which is you know like a little bit of a forward look to the 2020 draft. You highlighted five, call them blue chip-ish type of players, the yes. guys that we're probably looking at as top five to top ten picks. Who really stands out on this list for you that you put together? Yeah, we kind of touched on a handful of names uh, in that Players to Watch podcast we did uh, about a month ago. But I, I will just say there are a few guys in this class, I, I think, really – two to me that I will put my sort of chip in and say uh, this guy, uh, you can't take him high. You can't take him too high. If, if you're drafting him at number one overall right now, that's not too high to me. They're that good. One's Jerry Judy from Alabama. Uh, I think you do a everything. wide receiver. I think you do everything at the wide receiver position. I think he comes in from day one, you know, similar to Odell Beckham and just is one of the best receivers in the NFL from the day he steps on the football field. He doesn't fit the profile of what you'd expect from he doesn't, he doesn't look like Julio Jones, doesn't look like Calvin Johnson. He's not going to get you excited from that perspective. But I don't think there's a single thing he can't do at the wide receiver position. Seven of 11 contested catches he caught last year. 14 touchdowns, broke 17 tackles on only 68 catches. Uh, now, he was used a lot out of the slot. would like to see him more play out wide next year uh, in 2019. But that even to me, when he was out wide versus in the slot, when he was facing press, he really 
did not have any issues with yeah. any of that. So the, the biggest thing with me was sometimes across the middle would get some alligator arms shied away from contact understandable at his weight uh, hopefully he puts on a little more mass doesn't have those issues going forward when you compare him to odell beckham I, I like to split up wide receivers into three basic categories right route running after the catchability and then contested yes. catchability odell beckham was one of the few guys that truly had that he could yes. get open if he wasn't open he could still make spectacular catches you get the ball in his hands he can create after the catch and you mm. kind of stacked up those numbers for judy that is judy yes. for, forcing missed tackles making contested catches and oh by the way he's going to separate mm. as well so that is a good combination, even if it isn't the 6'3 prototype mm-hmm. um, that the NFL loves. We'll talk a little bit more about the receiver class. I want to break yeah. them all down and how special they could be. I like the fact that you get the two defensive linemen in there from the Big oh, yeah. 12, my uh, other, Big 10. Big, my other blue chip one, the other guys that you can't take too highly, Chase Young, Ohio State defensive end, uh, came in seamlessly, you know, produced, you know, for, seamlessly replaced Nick Bosa's production, led the nation in pressures as a sophomore, uh, and he beat up trey adams who a lot of people the washington offensive tackle a lot of people are saying is a first round pick next year or would have been a first round pick if he didn't have the neck injury he just made him look silly in that game uh, against washington so i think chase young size length athleticism really has they're checking this thing judy young they're checking every single box and at that point you just know they're gonna be good ohio state now has joey bosa then nick bosa and chase young as guys who stepped in as true freshman and looks like NFL players. Yes. Um, we've talked about the Boses quite a bit here, but Chase Young is in that boat. I mean, mm-hmm. when he had an opportunity as a true freshman, looked great, and then when he finally had a real opportunity as a true sophomore, as you said, what he what he could do. So, um, Yeah, Larry Johnson, their defensive line coach, I think, deserves a lot of credit. You get, some, uh, you get uber-talented guys, yeah. a really good coach. You know, that's, that's what's happening at Ohio State. Uh, Eric Eager, our uh, data scientist... Dr. Eric Eager, he had a pretty good breakdown on PFF findings that are surprising but useful. If you guys listen to the podcast, you've heard a lot of these, but I thought Eric did a really good job of just being really concise and explaining, all right, if you're going to break down a quarterback, focus on clean pocket stuff. I know intuitively it says focus on pressure, but focus on clean pocket. The, The coverage versus pass rush discussion that we've had quite a bit, he broke it down in a very concise way. And then the idea of if you're going to uh, predict affecting the quarterback or predict sack rate use pressures over sacks so a couple of just pff mantras that the data has pointed us toward over the last few years that are a little bit counterintuitive um, and i thought he did a really nice job just kind of laying those out in this uh, on this bigger forum here yeah the last one being one we kind of have been saying no duh for a while pressures more predictive of performance than sacks but even the pure even if you're taking the year-on-year data of our pressure numbers and their sack numbers from the previous years, the, our pressure numbers are more predictive of what their sack total will be the next year than their sack totals were. So I, I think that's like the bigger, the biggest takeaway from that, that we've been saying, oh, for a while, we've always just thought that. They actually ran the numbers and said, yes, that is actually true, that it's more predictive in the future. Right. So, yeah, it, some of these things, it's interesting because some of these things we thought previously and we needed some numbers to back them up. Other things... Um, so QB within a clean pocket, I thought that intuitively, I didn't think it's specifically like that. I more looked at it. I was like, man, Carson Palmer went from being one of the worst under pressure to just incredible under pressure one year. And that was mm-hmm. the MVP caliber year in 2015 feels like something that fluctuates yes. a little bit. Right. Um, and then they dove into the numbers and, you know, really defined it better pressures and sacks. We felt like, um, 
we thought intuitively that made sense. Uh-huh. But then you've got the coverage pass rush thing. I don't think anybody at PFF was like, hey, Eric, George, once you guys get your hands on the data, you got to prove this because coverage feels like it's better than pass rush. I know you've, you've talked about it a little bit before, but we've been hammering home this pass rush concept for years and how important it is to get after the quarterback. I don't know if I ever went into it thinking, hey, coverage over pass rush, that was something that the data just pointed them toward. No, that one was... I think I thought they were more even in my mind. I think, like, just intuitively, think, yeah. oh, you need both. You need yeah, to right. be able to rush, right. and then you need the guys to be able to cover on the back end. But thinking about it more in depth, like looking at teams that have had sustained just the success of teams, uh, I, I think you lean more towards the ones that have dominant secondaries. The Seattle, I don't know, obviously they had a good pass rush as well, but I think with that secondary intact, they were going to be a good defense no matter what, whereas you know some pass rushes, uh, some of the top-tier pass rushes you've seen just not be necessarily good defenses if they don't have the coverage on the back end. All right, the next section discusses a little bit of the history of analytics. Our PFF founder, Neil Hornsby, goes through a little bit of hey where did where did pff come from and it's you know he he loves to mention the left guard for the tampa bay bucks as his general example how is the left guard from the tampa bay bucks played over the last 10 years can you even do that years ago you couldn't do that now with pff you can you've got this baseline of here's what left guards normally produce here's what the bucks left guard has produced so he gives a little bit of the background the thing i found interesting and this came from his conversation with peter king where peter said look I, i see these major league baseball front offices that have 15 20 it guys they've got a full analytics department and football still has departments who have one guy two guys three guys what's the difference and i think the big points that neil made here that is really important it's the it's the bridging of the conversation from numbers and data to a general manager or to a coach Mm -hmm. and finding that person in the middle who knows enough about the data but enough about football speak so to speak, yeah, to connect those dots. And I think that's been our experience with 32 NFL franchises. Some teams have that guy. Some teams are still looking for that guy. Uh, it's, such, it's so important, that communication within an organization. Yeah, I think that is the biggest thing, is that football is far more convoluted in terms of uh, getting like false... N- come to false conclusions from the data because you have to be able to relate it to schemes to what's actually going on the field you have to be able to you have to know what's happening there right to be able to even collect data in the first place because uh if not uh, if you're just sort of looking at pure numbers themselves you can come to wrong conclusions because the game is so much more complex than baseball so much more complex than even basketball in terms of what's going on on any given play now there are some high level takeaways that are obvious that should be more implemented that teams are in terms of like run versus pass right. uh the coverage versus pass rush sort of thing those but i think to get to the actual you know to actually get functional analytics you need both the knowledge intricate knowledge of the game of football scheme x's knows that and intricate knowledge of data science of you know how to manipulate that how to you know come to conclusions based on that and not a lot of people do is the biggest thing you're hiring sure. you can't just hire a graduate from uh, you know, can't just hire a Harvard data science graduate and ask them to do this if they've never played football, if they don't know what's going on in the game. Yeah, we've seen some of that even internally before. Um, not to tout Eric and George and, and their team, you know, too much here, but we've seen other guys try to play with our data and not really be able to understand it, despite having incredible math skills. Yes. They understand football and they can also take complicated things because ultimately you just, you know, you want bullet points at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. We did a ton of math. We did all these things, and here are the actionable items, 
right? And some of them are more nuanced than others. But like you said, it could be as there are things as simple as pass more on second and 10. Yes. There are things I think the coverage versus pass rush debate is a little bit more nuanced yeah. because you're debating stable versus unstable and how do you attack with resources and salary cap and all those different and things. Also, and then scheme there too as well. And there's can, scheme. You can protect sure. a cornerback uh, by playing cover two. Right. Uh, you can... But then you can also fake a pass rush by blitzing with X. Right. But it's like some DCs don't want to play cover two. Some right. DCs just want to play man. So there's, there's far there's, more variables exactly. in there. Um, but, again, I think um, Neil's basic conclusion on that, I think, was just that, you know, it'll, it'll continue. You'll get a little bit more momentum as the years go. And I, I do think this is what happened with baseball. I mean, there's people – I mean, baseball analytics are entrenched. Um, fully uh, as they are other sports, you know, and I think we'll see more and more of that. Yeah, teams aren't shrinking their analytics departments. I don't think. Right, that's a good, yeah, a good way of putting it. Uh, the next section was mine: how teams should be using PFF in the future. Again, we've got we have thirty two NFL team clients. They almost almost all of them have. They all have the NFL data. All but a couple have the college data as well. And my basic point, my basic point is that they need to be using it a little bit more. You know, they need to fully integrate it. Some teams, again, are better than others. So I just tried to lay out the questions that could be answered. Who are the best fits in both the draft and free agency? Not just a big board, so to speak, but a big board for you based on the data. So if you're the Arizona Cardinals, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Houston Texans, whoever you are, hey, Houston Texans, you create a draft board, a free agent board based off the data that fits what you want to do and kind of having that interactive component to it i think that's um, a really important next step that we're going to try to take i've always said that i think the final iteration of what we do here what you know 10 years from now what pff is going to look like is recording every single thing that happens on every single play and then letting a machine tell us who the best you know like the george and eric machine record literally every single not now not the whole nfl kind of does this with the movement data and the player tracking but it's not super accurate and not uh exactly what i'm talking about but more. it's not great for interactive matchups yes, exactly. and winning and like, losing and you, things like there that. is some again like some level of uh insight you have to be able to know what's going on in the field in terms of you know was that cover two was that cover three those sort of things that you can't just necessarily tell from looking at a screen of where every player was on the at, on that play you have to actually look at uh, how they moved, what they were looking at, even where their head was pointing, and what they saw on a given play. So, Vision. Uh, I, I yeah. think there is that is the ultimate goal or the conclusion of what we do here at PFF is tracking every granular item and then letting sort of the computer tell us. I love it. Who was best? What to do? You know, the decision making process. I love it. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Let's move that forward over the next few Although years. That might mean I'm out of a job, unfortunately. Well, somebody's got to track this stuff. Yeah, somebody's got to track it. You can I'm, go back to data. Go back collection. to data collection. Yeah, that's that's when I I'll just be a writer then until the computer can write articles for me. You thought you were advancing, and then you just <laughs> created a job to push you back down. Um, so I hit on a couple other key points, you know, which parts of the PFF data are most predictive for future performance at each position, which parts of co- college quarterbacks performance actually translates to the pro game that goes to that clean pocket versus pressured pocket. How do I attack an opposing quarterback from a game planning standpoint? Again, we, we create this, you know, start to the week for NFL teams as far as game planning goes, but there are other key points in the data, whether or not Aaron Rodgers struggles against disguised coverage, different things like that, that I've that I've thrown out there in meetings with NFL teams, and they're like, hmm, I didn't know that that was you know, in the database, so yeah. to speak. And w- whether or not it's, it's, it's not something that's going to you know, help you beat the Packers by 12 points or any, you know, two touchdowns or anything like that, but 
if it helps on a play here and there, yeah. it's significant. Yeah, I mean, a ton of games like are decided by one score. Yep. in the NFL, it is a big part of it is clock management. A big part of it is one play here and there, and that's yep. why it makes it so great. I also highlighted, you know, which coaches make the best game day decisions. We've talked a lot about that fourth down conversions, going for two at the right to all those types of things. And then which coach or general manager is best for your team. These are all the types of questions. I think all the answers are in the database. And um, if you guys hire me, I can help you extract all of them. If you're looking to uh, optimize your talent. Mm -hmm. How's that pitch? Do you want to definitely go read that though? I might. Do you want to be on my staff? For who now? Oh, I, you know, if I get like say the Texans GM job or whatever. Oh yeah, GM you got to have your staff in place before you. Yeah, get the job. I yeah. should probably uh, yeah, the interview. You know, see staff. if you have interest and I'll be yeah. I'll, I I gladly interview for a position. Now, I pay obviously is something we have to discuss, but that, we can talk about that later. Not in off public camera. here on yeah, the okay, podcast. Yeah, but um, maybe we'll do that. Let's wrap up the rest of this article and we'll circle back okay. and maybe I'll. At least, I just want to see where you stand on a couple things. Um, just to wrap this up, we had a breakdown from new PFFer Bruce Gradkowski, former NFL quarterback, just trying to give his perspective on what he thought PFF was, what it actually is. I think the the biggest thing, you know, he's got his, uh, you know, his brother didn't love us because he didn't have the best old line grades, hmm. and Bruce was just like, "Come on, man, you know these guys, they're just, it's you know, putting a little intelligence to it." You know, we taught Bruce the PFF system. He'll be reviewing all of our QB grades this year i think he's, he's kind of bought in and he's taken this perspective of just like zach robinson did i can help you a little bit as far as making sure guys are seeing the right things and he's coming in kind of learning a little bit just kind of like a different way of breaking things down and quantifying you know play-by-play basis i think that's always been the best mesh for us yeah. with say former players former coaches guys that have been around the game and it's great to have a guy who's specialized in one thing we can it's just difficult to know the intricacies of every single position, especially right. when you've played the game at the highest level. There are different things that you'll see that even a quarterback who didn't even get to the NFL in terms of playing level, who a college quarterback might not even see just because uh, there's it's just such a complex game, the thing we keep going back to. And so he gets to be able to see there might be there's a certain play where he's saying, oh, no, this is what his first read should be. This is what he should be looking at there. Not that this is on the wide receiver, not the quarterback there. Uh, so I think there's a lot he, he adds. And I love when we do bring in guys who are specialized to a certain position and played it at a high level. Yeah, that's my favorite part, I think, is or. In Bruce's case, was he played in the NFL. That's a high NFL. level. Yeah. For 11 years. Yeah. Sneaky 11 years. He played against the Steelers at a high level. He did. He did. <laughs> had that great game. We just put that on loop when he's here. The game, when he was with the Raiders, made the great comeback against the Steelers in like 2009 or 10 or whatever it was. Um, just make him feel good. You know, just pull out those pull out those games yeah that's the thing people ask us all the time how do you know if the receiver ran the wrong route or the quarterback and a lot of times you know intuitively but it does help when bruce is like nah man that's sluggo seam and he's supposed to veer outside and he kept it inside and the quarterbacks in and you know leverage and you know how much they're supposed to you know widen their their route their stem and all these different things and he's got you know those former quarterbacks who have been in multiple systems have that knowledge so you can apply it and we can apply it to the grading and then to wrap it up, uh, George Shahuri breaks down uh, a little bit about the gambling component. Basically, you know, we're charged with predicting who's going to win games. And the more data that we have, the better it is for George, Eric, and the whole team mm-hmm. to better predict games. That all comes through in our PFF Green Line product, all part of PFF Elite, which, by the way, is free 
through Tuesday. If you guys are yes. listening either Monday or Tuesday, it's free. You get a free trial for PFF Elite. You guys could take a look at all that stuff. Um, so George just basically breaks down uh, broadly how they do that, mm-hmm. predicting games going forward. Did you read the uh, 10 things, I think? I think. I did not. So these were, these were from, as a team. And, um, I didn't think any of these. You probably weren't asked to add any. God damn I, I have three on this list. Okay. Should I go through my three yeah, real quick? Yeah, your three that you think we think. Okay, so th- number three on the list was we think. It was I think, but we're okay. a team, so, I'm, so other people are forced to think this as well, uh, you included. Uh, we think the NFL is a copycat, quote-unquote copycat league, but the best teams and coaches are the innovators, not the copycats. What do you think of that? Bold, Steve. Wow. I think, I you think hear it's copycat everyone. league all the time. Yeah, but I think everyone thinks that think thought everyone thinks that thought all right all right well let's go on to the next one okay we think right tackles are just as valuable as left tackles and should be paid as such just because it's an old idea doesn't mean i can't mm. surface it here it's a whole that new crowd we do think that and it's actually coming somewhat to fruition it's, it's, it's getting got paid uh the highest paid tackle in the nfl plays right tackle now currently so there you go we're get, yeah well <laughs> you know the Raiders tend yeah. to skew things here and there. Uh-huh. Uh, my last one was we think, or I think, the NFL now has a plethora of reasonable starting quarterbacks outside of the true superstars, and any number of them can create top 10 production in any given year. Mid-tier quarterback production is more dependent on playmakers and scheme than ever before, so mid-tier quarterbacks mm-hmm. need mid-tier contracts. Yeah, this goes back to the don't pay Dak Prescott argument. Don't pay the guy who's not elevating talent around him to higher levels that needs that basically comes and goes with a offensive line or with wide receiver talent around him because when he didn't have good wide receivers that offense did not look good and it's like if you're you're paying a quarterback to make any wide receiver be able to come in there and still have a good offense that's why you give him the most valuable you know that's why they are paid more than anybody else but if he's not doing that you shouldn't be paid more than anyone else. It's the other positions that are more valuable than to get talent at those positions. And then you can go find a guy like Dak Prescott in the mid rounds. Like they found Dak right. Prescott. Yeah. It's we've talked about a little bit before, that, but there, there are just a lot of guys out there that could replace that. Product. It's like the fear of losing a top 20 quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's a top 20 quarterback. I don't, he's not top 10. He's probably top 20 to 22. And it's the fear of losing that because being in the bottom end isn't as comfortable. You are worse without him on that roster right now. But you could probably find someone if you just use a first-round pick or second-round pick on that position. Save the money, allocate it elsewhere. Save that money and get better elsewhere. It's an ongoing discussion. But, yeah, that's uh, one of the things I think, therefore we think. So so there we are. Um, Also, shout-out to IT, uh, one of our IT guys, Alex Padgett, his his homebrew Got a shout out in Football Morning America. Yeah. That's I'll let drinks White Claw now, so got to watch the calories during the summertime. Really? Yeah. It's sad. Well, that's the beginning of your interview right there. <laughs> yeah, did I just get fired? No, no, that's fine. I'm not going to judge on that. So, all right, let's, let's figure this out. Could you be my college scouting director, okay. so to speak? My first, I think, real big question is, let's just come under the assumption that every team's hitting about 50% here, okay. right? You're hitting 500 um, how, how are we going to bridge that gap, get to 55, get to 60%? How are you going to make us just a little bit better from an eval standpoint as my college scouting director? I think, one, we don't even have to be better than everyone else if we just take more swings. I think I'm going to accumulate as many picks as humanly possible. Well, I'm going to do that. Swings. I'm going to be the general manager. But I'm going to help you out there. Oh, okay. Thank you. And two, 
I'm going to work harder, outwork everyone else. Oh, you. that's perfect. <laughs> Mike, and I've I'm, worked with you. I know that's... And I mean, I'm going to work smarter than everyone else in the NFL. I'm going to implement the PFF database to its full extent and implement the position-by-position uh, position tracking data that we have, like I mentioned previously in this podcast, of the granular-level data yeah. okay. to, um, to find as many... Uh, data points as I can on a given player to make sure he's a perfect fit, one, for our scheme, and two, transitioning from college to the NFL. Interesting. I, can, I think I could buy that. When you tell me you're going to work harder, it reminds me of the... Yeah, uh, was, it was just interview speak for me. No, I know. <laughs> but knowing you, it, it still reminds me of the uh, SNL skit a few years ago where Will Ferrell is imitating George Bush. Mm-hmm. And he says, I promise you I'm going to work hard 24-7. That's 24 weeks out of the year, seven months out of the, out of the year. That's 24 about, weeks. That sounds seven, about right. That does sound about right. Yeah. I will work very hard. I feel like those. that's acceptable. That but might be acceptable for the draft. Yeah. Right? It probably is. Take like, the summer off. Drive, drive cross country through Wyoming. That's fine. Um, what else are you going to do for my, uh, my organization here? Anything else good? Anything else good? I'm not going to be sending. Any, I'm going to save you a ton of money on sending scouts to games. No one needs to go to any of the that's games. That's what I'm talking about. That's We're what I'm just going to call on the phone to all these teams and ask them. Uh, because you don't need to know any of that. We'll go to the senior You don't need bowl. to watch any of them in person to know anything special about them. Yeah, so my new thing is I don't care about the bottom end of my roster. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm all about, we're going we're gonna to probably bring in four or five QBs. Forget special teams. You know, forget about the fifth string linebacker. Like, who cares? That guy's yeah. not adding any value. We're going to stock up on QBs, to play them all in the preseason. Mm. You know, and they have that one great preseason game. We start flipping them for second rounders and everything. It's going to be great. Yeah. Um, so we don't even have to go to those like lowly bowls or anything. Like, just we'll go to the senior bowl. Mm-hmm. We don't have to go to anything else. And if you get an athletic QB, he can play special teams too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. We'll get five QBs. They're all going to be Taysom Hills. Yes. But they're but younger, younger mm-hmm. Taysom Hills. Man, we're speaking the same language here. Um, if you were, I'm getting a job. An animal. Oh. What would you be? Frog. Frog. Gosh, we need like a Renner stock meter here that just... Oh, no, you got to say frog is wrong. Of course frog's wrong. From Seinfeld. Oh, that's where you're going at. I missed it. Sorry. No, I was just... That's interview speak, too. Yeah. All right, ready? Grit test, go. Wow. Hired. (laughs) All I want is four seconds of grit I test. I love that we both knew it. the grit test. We knew the grit right test immediately. <laughs> this, is a, this is a perfect interview right here. Mike, uh, yeah. when and if the Texans or any other team come calling, you're, uh, you're on yeah. the short list. Good. At least. All right. We're making that announcement right here. We'll talk, we'll talk finances off, mm-hmm. off the air here. Um, let's wrap it up. This is, this is more part of your interview here. Break down. Let's break down the wide receiver class. Wide receiver class. Yeah, we're going to go through some of the classes, some of the positional groups on the podcast in the coming weeks uh, because I'm going through all summer these uh, 2020 draft prospects for your 2020 preseason draft guide dropping sometime in August. Be on the lookout for that. It'll be with your Edge or Elite subscription. Perfect. It's going to be a good one. And yeah, I've gotten through a pretty much the wide receiver class that's going to be in the draft guide at this point. And let me tell you, it's a good, good wide receiver class coming up this year we already touched on jerry judy feel good about him as like i said could be the number one overall pick if there's no quarterbacks like i you could draft him that highly in my mind he's that good jalen rieger probably my number two at the moment tcu wide receiver not really a ton of hype but he's gonna run low four threes uh he is exceptional after the catch i had something like 15 contested catches even last year he's very good at the catch point uh 
him, Judy, Rieger, and I think even LaVishka Chenault, the Colorado Jesus wide receiver, uh, who's uh, basically a running back after the catch, could play running back and be you know on the almost Saquon Barkley spectrum in terms of how ridiculously athletic he is and how well he breaks tackles. Uh, still lacks some polish, but he's great at the catch point as well. I think all three of those guys, if they had come out last year would have been the first wide receiver up for first Pretty wide much receiver, I really? think all three of those guys were better than any wide receiver in the 2019 draft class after that uh, there's a conversation for some of these guys cd lamb tyler johnson henry ruggs t higgins in terms of they would have been right there with dk metcalf aj brown in terms of are they the first wide receiver on our draft board uh, all those guys are exceptional cd lamb oklahoma tyler johnson from minnesota henry ruggs also from alabama t higgins from clemson so seven guys deep of guys that we borderline first rounders at this point i'm thinking in my mind uh very good and that's not even mentioning tylen wallace who was the oklahoma state wide receiver who i think led nation and contested led, catches led, for sure led the nation deep yardage last deep year yards, yeah kj hill also up there from ohio state colin johnson a one of the few six five wide receivers who can actually get off press coverage so he'll probably end up going highly in next year's draft the texas wide receiver and then i'll give you a couple sleepers that i like from the 2020 class trey walker from san jose state remember the name I think he has a breakout year for them. I loved what I saw on tape from him. Got injured last year. Didn't play the entire season, but when he was on the field, uh, graded out very well. And I think he's in for a big year. And then Rico Bussey from North Texas can fly uh, deep speed. He'll be on some draft boards. Yes, exactly. He'll be on... uh, He'll be on the draft radar next year. Wow. So a lot to digest there. I want to mm-hmm. go back just for a minute. C.D. Lamb, I think I said this the other time. Am I crazy to think that C.D. Lamb was better than Marquise Brown? No. I, I, at Oklahoma. From a projectional standpoint, he can do more at, on the NFL level. Now, Marquise Brown's great on the vertical tree. Uh, he's, you know, he was actually more nuanced route runner than a lot of undersized guys, but he was very undersized. Right. And there's some things that you're just not going to ask him to do at the wide receiver position. C. Lamb's more of a complete wide receiver at this point. I, I don't think he has the does just definitely doesn't have the speed that Brown did. But uh, I think C. Lamb is a very versatile piece in an offense a more your prototypical size speed sort of guy yeah. i feel like i just saw him getting open variety of different ways working the back shoulder game all of that stuff uh judy Rieger. so i mean you're you're always a bit of a speed guy anyway and rugs is up in that yes four three range as well right from alabama that's he's, what makes them so tough to defend he's maybe in the four two range even. yeah he had some plays on tape where the angles that guys took towards you know, i think it was the missouri game he's running down the sideline uh and a guy is probably five yards. The safety probably has five yards on him to try to catch him, and he makes makes that up in about 30 yards, gets past him. So he had some angle-changing plays on tape. They said, wow, just watching them. So he has legit, legit speed. I still worry about his route running. is not nearly as nuanced as the other guys on the top of this list, but he's has some very natural hands for a speed wide receiver. Uh, if he gets that route running more up to par, if he works on that, of course, the offseason looks better in that regard. Next year, he could be higher on this list than it, where it, I mentioned him. And Colin Johnson, just to wrap it up, you mentioned six foot five. This seems to happen every year. You've got this big six four, six five guy. He's got this highlight reel of contested catches. Mm. But when you dig into the tape, he's slow or he can't get off press. Like you said, he can't get in and out of cuts. 
Um, is he different? Is how close is he to like a, a, a Hakeem Butler, that type of monster? Receiver? Yeah, I don't think he's a Hakeem Butler. I don't think he's an Equinemius St. Brown in terms of. Uh, you watch those guys when anyone got up at them in the line of scrimmage, they just don't have the short area quickness, the flexibility to shake a guy and then get free. Uh, if someone gets their hands on him, I think Colin Johnson has that. And you saw it even in his after-the-catch ability. He broke more tackles, uh, not not than Keen Butler, but Keen Butler was breaking it by shrugging guys off him. He broke more tackles with sort of agility, uh, that sort of thing, by making guys miss in the open field than either of those other two guys. Cortland Sutton had a little bit of that mm-hmm. open field wiggle for a bigger receiver coming out of SMU a couple years ago. So, yeah, the big receivers are always interesting because I feel like they come in with first round hype, and then by the end of it, it's like, ah, this guy can't do it. But yeah. Colin Johnson might be a little bit different. It's, and it's because I go back to the everyone wants to see you look like Julio Jones. And, right, right. Uh, Calvin Johnson. You, that's the prototype, but a lot of the guys that look like that can't play wide receiver worth a damn. And you've got a whole bunch of guys on here that don't look like Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. It is a good mix of different body types and different styles. KJ Hill, I still can't figure out what his body type reminds me of. It's so different. He's interesting. He is interesting. But you, I remember you highlighting him last year as a guy that you really liked at Ohio State. I keep moving our table. But he had that we're fine. dope one-handed catch against, I think it was Minnesota. Yeah. Probably one of the best catches all year. Just He has very natural hands, even though I think in the Purdue game he dropped like four passes for some reason. But He did. But I, I think that was yeah. like the week you talked about, ah, KJ Hill's my guy. <laughs> and talked <laughs> and him up. four passes. Well, it looks loaded, the uh, wide receiver really class. Is. Yeah. And um, my, is this going to be the best we've seen in a few Since years? Since 14. Now? Yeah, I'm... I'd, Bet good money is the best, most productive NFL class, NFL wide receiver class since 2014. So there you go. If you guys are in uh, dynasty or dynasty leagues, as the uh, foreigners say over here, the uh, or across the pond guys, uh, this is a good little listen for you guys to just get a feel for the guys you need to be drafting. Uh, looking forward. So uh, that'll do it for us today. Don't forget to go get your PFF Elite free subscription if you're listening on Monday or Tuesday. I believe Tuesday is the last day. You guys can get in there, play with premium stats, play with the green line information, play with our most advanced fantasy metrics and breakdowns and tools. It's all in there. PFF Elite. Try the free trial. I promise it's worth it. And then uh, I'll be back next week. Special guest. I'll bring you back. We'll do another position. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. Let's do that. If you're not going to be driving cross country, I'll bring you back. You did a good job. I'll be back. We'll do another you position. did a good job. We could be off to the Texans, though. You never know. Did I fill the job yet? I probably should. <laughs> we might be off to the Texans with that. you as my uh, college scouting director. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I, I'm open to all GM jobs. So it's, it's, you know, it's like you're, you're auditioning for all 32. It's not just the open job okay, cool. you're auditioning for. So Good. just always be ready. All right. Go check out PFF Elite, and we'll be back with you guys again next week. Thanks for tuning in. quick break to tell you guys about nfl game pass the only way that you can replay every game all season long you can relive all the gutsy calls crazy catches wild comebacks and breakout stars from every game every week it's all the action all the football you can handle all in one place so every game that we're talking about right now you guys can rewatch it after the fact i'm gonna be going back and you guys can too go check out lamar jackson in week one go check out dak prescott and what that cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray 
in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash Pro Football Focus NFL.